coming to you from the pit in Royal Grande, California. Your hosts, John Hackleman and Dr. James Casper. It's time for Pitmaster and the Doc. Hey guys, Pitmaster here. I'm here with the Doc. John. Oh, man. We got so much shit going on. It's crazy. First of all, you guys know about the Glover thing. That was a great time. Then last week we had a belt ceremony this past Saturday, which was two days ago. That was, oh man, there's so many people here. I can't believe I'm, how lucky, can you imagine, well you do what you love, but not many people do. And I get to do what I love, and then I come in, and there's like hundreds of people, you know, to come here to go to a belt ceremony that's put on by our gym. It's like, it's, it's pretty incredible. It's pretty, it's like, I hate to word, use the word surreal, because that's really overused, but it's surreal. I just said it. The thing. I just couldn't imagine it growing up, mainly in my younger, younger 20s, like just having such a hard time with the kids and the money and the this and the that, and just having, just barely making it, and then now all of a sudden... I'm still barely making it, but at least I'm barely making it doing something I love. So, bang. It doesn't look like you're barely making it, but... Okay, barely. <laughs> it's all relative, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of relatives, how's, uh, how's Sarah? Sarah's good. We saw her down in Long Beach with her new boyfriend. What? I know. I didn't get to meet this guy? He hasn't been up here yet. If he comes up this summer, you'll get to meet him. I will. Where's he from? He's from San Diego. Oh, God. In fact... We were hanging out with him. We had just met him, and he hung out with us for the day, so he clearly likes Sarah because we had the whole family. Um, <clears throat> so the weird thing, though, was uh, we were down there, and we were down in L.A., and he's going to, he goes to school where my daughter does at Long Beach. And so he's there, and he's telling us from where he's from. He's from Poway. And I'm like, where is Poway? And it's down by San Diego, and he's talking about Poway and... Um, and where he's from, and then literally like a couple hours later, there's a shooting in Poway. That synagogue shooting, yeah, was in where he's from, and he's he's like one of his parents is Jewish, so he grew up going to the synagogue, like right down the street from. It wasn't this synagogue, so then we. How many I'm synagogues like, are in Poway? I don't know. There must be two, but there's at least two. So he's telling us about it, and then. Uh, so we heard this news that, like, well, there's a shooting in your hometown. This is while we're hanging out with him, and we're, like, he worried been, that he, he had must family have freaked there. out. So he called home or whatever. The shooter? He went to high school with the shooter. <laughs> like, what? It's crazy. Dude, those school shootings are, they don't just happen. It's not just on the news or doesn't affect anyone you know. That's crazy. That was a school, though, right? Not it was at a synagogue. School. Yeah. No, it wasn't. He went to school with right. him. In high school, though. This was a year ago. I mean, this kid, these kids were in high school a year ago. I think the kid was 19. But these school shootings, you know, our kids are growing up in this society where school shootings happen and where they have school shooter drills at school. I mean, we had, what did you have when you were... We had earthquake drills where I went to school. 
you have an earthquake yeah. drill, you have a drill if there's a fire drill, you yeah, have to have a drill to get off the bus. We had there was kill no holiday sh- drills. There was no, there was no shooter dr- active shooter drill at high school. But that's a reality now that our kids, you know, you, you see, we didn't go through that, but that's it's scary. Especially when this stuff kind of hits close to home where you know somebody, it was like that it affects them. But what, what's the number? What's the number of kids? It doesn't matter. I mean, I'll tell you scary. what it matters. It matters because what what are, what are they learning in Chicago? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, like, in those neighborhoods, they should have, like, neighborhood drills. Can you imagine? I mean, school shootings are terrible. And How what, often did school shootings used to happen when you were a kid? There was a shooting, what, they wrote a song about it because four people got shot in yeah. Texas or whatever? Yeah. Classic rock. And then there's, like, nothing. I mean, were there school shootings? And then there's all of a sudden all these shootings. Yeah. Like, this is definitely explode. It's something that's happened in our society in the last 20 years. But we don't. You've almost become numb. I mean, you hear about those things now, and you're like, oh, it's tragic. And then it's like on to the next news thing now. Yeah. But it was weird to go through that and to be with someone who, like, knew weird. the shooter and While like, it's was happening. from his hometown. Yeah. That's crazy. Weird. So that does make it hit a little bit closer to home. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Anyway, so that's that's how Sarah is. And so Sarah's she'll be home for summer in another two weeks. Man, all right. So you asked school shootings. <laughs> you asked. <laughs> Didn't know where oh, that was is, going. That is weird. <clears throat> that is weird. But um. Anyway, um, you had your belt ceremony. We had the belt ceremony. So sorry, I I couldn't make it to the belt ceremony. We had a a doctor in town um, that we're recruiting to come join our group, junior partner to come join our group so we had a guy in town took him out to dinner like 20 of us so hopefully he's coming here he's uh finishing his training in la right now i gotta check him out just like i gotta check out he checked out our lot well actually and i, I think he check checked out. out our hand surgeon before he came here yeah and he's doing pretty good he's doing great he's, yeah i he's checked killing. him out he's i have to okay the hand surgeon. people love him so he's very i think he's i think he tells me he sees people from pit occasionally yeah so. they do once, once so i know you send people over to him so, anyway, so we have another guy coming, so I wasn't at the belt ceremony, but I'm sure it was, it was jam-packed as usual. It was packed, man. I'm so, I, I just can't believe it. I go in there and try to give a speech and shit, and it's just like so many people. But it's, it's, it's living the dream. Speaking of living the dream, after the fight, after, um, after the belt ceremony, uh, we had the fights, uh, watched the fights, um, and it was... This guy's everybody's favorite. Um, got to be this guy right here. Okay, he's got to be everybody's favorite. Cal, you, if, <clears throat> he's he's such a good guy, uh, and just such a great representative of the sport. Cowboy Cerrone. Um, he's been doing this a long time. Yeah, he has the most fights. He has a record: most fights, most wins, most win bonuses. Um. He's just unbelievable, and uh, and he's I think he's still at thirty six or so. He's a thirty six, and um, he's so he's now thirty five and eleven, professionally. That's a lot of fights. A lot of fights. Got to hang out with him and his grandma in New York. And it's just funny because his grandma goes to all his fights. His grandma raised him, and his grandma went to all his fights. Goes to all his fights. She's in the cage after every one of his fights. She she hugs his his opponents. She is such an ambassador of Cowboy Cerrone's brand. And it's, it's so cool listening to her stories. And she was telling me and Heather, my wife, 
in New York, we're sitting in the lobby of the hotel for like an hour, and she's just all kind of stories about him. What just what he gets himself in so much predicaments. Um, he freaking ice. He skis. He skydives. He scuba dives. He rock mountain climbs. So she says when he's in the cage, she feels so much better because he's safer than all the other thing he does. She says he's gets he's gotten much more hurt doing the other things than he does fighting. I wonder if he's still doing the other dangerous stuff yeah. with his new baby. Oh, the baby? I don't know. He's got but, a new baby now. He's always got his baby out and yeah, on display. Now his baby comes in the cage. He has He's 3-0 and oh since he's had the baby. Um, just a... He's fought three tough guys. Yeah. Too. Yeah, he has. This was no easy fight. Mm. So, Al Iaquinto was not an easy fight. But... I think I think I think uh, Cowboys. He's been training with a guy named Joe Schilling. I don't really know that guy from kickboxing. I don't really follow kickboxing that much, but I've heard the name. I think he was on on the Joe Rogan show. Um, and uh, whatever he's training, uh, uh, Cowboy is working great because not many fight. A lot of fighters do leg kicks. But not many fighters do leg checks. And especially not consistently. And I noticed in this fight, not only did he have beautiful leg kicks inside and out, he had beautiful front kicks and round kicks to the face and to the body. Scored with a lot of them. But he also, it looks like he checked every kick that Al threw. And to me, that's the true measure of a kickboxing coach. Not only the kicks, because anyone can kick, but when you start checking kicks uh, consistently, I think that is a true measure of your kickboxing skills. Well, he talks about himself still evolving and still learning and still yeah. not being quite the fighter he wants to be with 40, 40 professional, 40-something professional fights. And he talks about himself as being an old man. He's 36, but he's had a lot of fights. But do you think his age... Do you think the weight classes are different as far as how long you can be effective and productive? Do you think the heavyweights can be a little older and still be really good? Or do you think there's any difference in that? Do you think the younger, smaller, or the smaller guys need to have more speed? Uh, I think the timing is more important than the speed. And, and, and uh, probably age does make a little difference for the heavier guys because the power is the last to go. But then again, it's all relative, so the speed of the heavyweights is comparable to each other. So when they're older, it'll drop even lower. So I think it's a relative thing, but um, I don't think at 36 you really worry about it yet. I think at 40 you might start worrying about it. But in this day and age of, of people taking care of themselves so much better than they used to, I just don't think it's a factor at 36 really at he, this point. He looked like he was moving well. He, uh, he performed well through five rounds. He was he uh, he looked yeah. good. That was those front kicks, two of them in the same round. I think that was the fourth round. There's one of them on the screen. One, one dropped him. That's the one thing that dropped him. Brutal, brutal, right through his guard. It was it was and 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 the he got into Al's head obviously, and Al um, Al um, was starting to just throw single shots, three single punches. 
so they weren't getting through. Um, he was starting to, to try to do uh, takedowns, just kind of desperation takedowns, which didn't go over too well, didn't land. Um, and he wasn't moving very, very well. He didn't, he wasn't moving with a purpose. Either you want to move laterally and, and shoot a lot of uh, punches or kicks or whatever, or you want to just go in, barrel in, like a Mike Tyson. But he kind of wasn't doing either. He kind of lost his, uh, well, he didn't just lose it. I think, uh, I think um, Cowboy helped him lose it. <laughs> well, he came in for a, I guess it was for a shot and took a knee, maybe in the third round that put him down. That was brutal. That knee just, he came into the knee. It was, I can't believe he still was fighting after that. Yeah, he, had, he has. He dropped him with that knee with a front kick to the face. And then also, I think, um, with a jab. He, was a jab him. he sat him down with a jab. Yeah. And then at the end of the fight, he, um, he knocked down uh, Al and then got on top of him and landed. I don't know if he pushed him down, but he got on top of him and then landed a punch right at the, right at the end of the fight. And Al did not get up right away. He no. laid on the mat, and he was out of it. I mean, there were a couple times that fight, if it had, one of the rounds had gone 10 seconds more, it would have been over. Yeah, yeah. But it went to decision. Yeah, he just he, he, he squashed every one of Al's attempts to, to get any kind of momentum going, and Al never really got. In the beginning, the first two rounds were really close. Uh, but they just started, Al just started getting picked apart and throwing one shot at a time. And he was never really in the fight. He was never really almost knocked out, I don't think. In fact, even that knee didn't hurt him like I thought it would. It sh- yeah, a lot of people I think would have been done with yeah. that knee. That knee landed clean. They yeah. showed it in the replay. Yeah. It was, that was a brutal knee. It was. Um, I've seen, it seems like, you know, you see knees that don't look that bad and the, guy, and the fight's over. So that was brutal. He's tough. He's tough Al as shit. Super he, tough. He just kept. He went five rounds with Khabib. I mean, he yeah. that guy is tough. He's tough as shit. I, I like He's watching some him tough fight. fights. Yeah, <laughs> He's he had some he tough opponents. Yeah. But the thing I think that was frustrating for Al watching it, frustrating for me for him, was how he kept getting stopped in different ways, like a knee, a kick to the face, a jab. I mean, he was Cowboy was lighting him up with all kinds of stuff. So, it just showed Cowboy's kind of, at least in striking, is just so well rounded. Well, yeah, it did show that. But then everyone that knows knows that Cowboy also has brutal submissions. Yeah. Well, he who did he submit with the elbow? Who was that? Yeah, that was a brutal submission of um, with that arm bar. Oh, really? I don't remember. Do you remember that? He, there was a great picture. I remember. Of I remember. I remember <laughs> him catching a beautiful uh, uh, triangle. He's just he's unbelievable. So I think it was his last fight. Was it? No. No, no, the, no, not the triangle. The um, the armbar? The arm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Perry. Was it Mike Perry? Yeah, Mike Perry. It was... First brutal. round. First round. Oh, it was Mike Perry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he, before that, Hernandez, he beat the shit out of Hernandez. Yeah, he... Wow, Perry. So, anyway. His last three fights have been big wins. So, uh, it's exciting to see who he's going to fight next. He's going to be such a big draw on whatever card he's on. What was really funny was... I think he called out Connor. Connor. Well, it's funny. He said... I'll take a title fight next, or I'll, I'll forego a title fight and fight Conor McGregor in July in Vegas. So that would be pretty cool. Cowboy versus Ireland. Yeah. American Cowboy. <laughs> that would be a big fight. That would be huge. That would be a great fight. I so, think that, and Conor needs a fight like that rather than another 
like a rematch for the title or yeah. anything. He's fought once in the last two years. He needs to fight someone that's not title contention to get a title shot back, I think. So yeah, yeah. that would be a great fight. Yeah. He so, called him out. Yeah, it was. Who was who else was on that card? It was uh the semi main um was uh I don't think uh I, it was it wasn't it wasn't a great fight. It was Derek Brunson against uh, the Canadian. Yeah. Theodoro. Theodoro and, and Brunson wasn't a great fight. It wasn't really action-packed. But there was actually a lot of movement. There was kind of a lot of action, and it was really awkward action. Um, it looked like Brunson was just caught in the headlights. He was a deer. Because uh, Ther- uh, Therio... Um, he had the weirdest, like, he would, like, throw a hammer blow to Brunson's collarbone. And he was just throwing weird strikes, just, like, crazy stuff. And he was throwing a lot of good kicks. I got to give him that. A lot of those awkward strikes didn't look like they had a lot behind them. Yeah. They, they might did. connect or get you a point, but, yeah, they were very awkward striking. They were super awkward, and, and they weren't hurting Brunson. But for some reason, Brunson was being a little too tentative. But he definitely, he definitely won the fight. Um, that was the best slam I've seen in was, the UFC uh, in like a year. That was yeah. like a WWE slam. That was he a good slam. That was a good slam. But to be honest, like Terrio, <laughs> uh, Elias, he had some good takedown defense. He defended a lot of takedowns. Like he would do like a spinning kick right into uh, Brunson. And Brunson looked like he was in per- perfect position. But Terrio was able to defend the <coughs> takedown pretty well. I think he got taken down like three times. Yeah, maybe. he was able to get up pretty quickly and yeah, not and he take got, damage on the ground. And he got right up. It, it looked like he wasn't hurt at all ever, and it looked like he he um, he had uh, Brunson kind of like he confused. We were all kind of confused with those hammer blows. He like like almost like looking the other way, like hitting like that. But he was landing them, and then he was defending the takedown. Defending, he didn't really get really hit hard and Brunson is a fucking hard hitter um he's knocked out a lot of people locked knocked him out cold but uh I thought Thierio did a great job it was was entertaining at best and Brunson got the decision at the end of round three yeah which I think he earned yeah it was it was it was it wasn't even close really I don't think but um he got a unanimous decision and uh I don't know. I don't. I don't know what that guy Elias is. Uh, I don't know what his story is, or what he's gonna do next, or what his real, what his goal was in that fight. It didn't look like he wanted a knockout. It just looked like he was ready to, just willing to, just like, you know, just win on points. Looked like a point fighter in karate or something. I don't know. Well, that was a win Brunson needed. He had he had had some tough fights. He lost to Adesanya. Israel, and he lost to uh, Jacare's last two fights. Those are some, man, those are some big fights. So, it was a good win for Brunson. It was a good win, and he did, <coughs> I don't think he took any damage. And that was, I mean, it was an interesting fight. It wasn't a great fight. It's not going to make fight of the night. The slam was great. It didn't even the make. Slam, that was a highlight. Let me just say, it didn't even make fight of the fight. The slam did. The, the slam was good. <laughs> slam but was this good. didn't even make fight of the fight. All right, next fight was. Uh, Palm Springs, SoCal. Cub yeah. Swanson. Cub Swanson. And, and uh, Shane Burgos. Shane Burgos. Um, so I, I have a question for you on this fight. So 
going into round three in the corner, this is a corner man question for you. So they told Cub he was down two rounds to zero going into the third round. And I don't know if he was or not. Clearly, one of the judges had him winning every round. So what do you think about the psychology of that? Does it depend on the fighter? Is that something you'd ever tell your fighter? I mean, what do you, what did you think? Did you see that happen where they were talking about the... Yeah. So that his corner tells him you're down two rounds at the beginning of round three. What does that do to your fighters? Um, I think it depends on the situation. If he was really down... I thought he was down one round. It could have been 1-1. One, one. But that means he's up one round, right? <clears throat> so I think it was even going to the third round. I think... Um, so I think, I think saying you need to win this round to win would be, would be a good one. Um, but I think in his, the back of his mind, I think if you said you're, you're down two, I think Cub knows in his mind that he kind of won one. So now you're putting in his mind that he won both. So he's probably thinking... If I won both, what the fuck? I did, I did all that to win one of them, and I didn't even win, win one of them. Fuck that. I, I'm, I'm just not even going to try anymore. So it could either demoralize your fighter all the way, and he might just give up, or it might just he might just go out fucking swinging and go in for the knockout. I think, I think he did come out in the beginning of round three. He came out pretty good in the last... in the Yeah, but if I was the corner... And I'm not saying I don't know Cub. I've never worked his corner, so I don't know him. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not like judging his corner because they know him a lot better than I do. But if if I didn't know him at all, and he came back after those two rounds, I would have said, "You need to win this round to win the fight. You need to win this round to win the fight." And then I would have given him a, a simple uh, advice. You know, simple instruction. Either do this more, less of this, circle this way, throw this strike, set up this. I would have just uh, given a simple, one simple instruction. But I would have definitely told him, you need to win this last round to win the fight. But I think saying you lost the last, you're, you're, you haven't lost a single round... I don't think. No, he told him he lost both rounds. Right, you haven't yeah. lost a sing- you haven't won a single round. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that was the best. Yeah, but, I agree with you. It probably depends on the fighter, but if knowing nothing about the fighter, it's just interesting to look at the psychology of it. Do you are you psyching the guy up, telling him that, or are you, you are you just just taking the wind out of his sails, telling him that? And the, and there's a little of both, but you got to know when to do both. There's there's a time and a place for both of those. And you I just teach a corner man course. You're, you must discuss this with your friends that that um, that yeah. do what you do, but uh, it's a small group of people. But I, I just is. don't. I don't. One thing I don't ever do is I never tell my fighter you lost that round. I might not. I might say you need to win the next round. You need to do this, this, and this. I just don't like to use the word lost. I don't. Know, it's just to me. It's um, to me that's demoralizing. And I just don't see a reason for it. I'm not going to say you won that round if they didn't, right? But I'm going to say you need to win the next round or you need to do this, this, and well, this. Well, if your fighter's doing the wrong thing, though? You see him doing the wrong thing over yeah. and over and over, and then they come in the corner. Do you just ignore that? or No, so if they're doing the wrong thing, I'm saying stop doing that. That's fucking stupid. Don't do that again. Yeah. Um, 
But I'm not going to say you lost that round. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say you're losing the fight. I'm going to say you need to do this to win the fight. But I don't see a, a reason to say you're losing the fight. I don't think... I think that's demoralizing. Um, um, like, I wouldn't tell my kid you're stupid. I might say you're acting stupid. I might say that's a stupid thing to do. But I've never told any of my kids you're stupid. But they might hear that if you say that was a stupid thing to do, right? Then all of a sudden in their mind they're going to think, oh, my, my dad told me I'm stupid. Because that's what they're going to think. So I try to stay away from that with the fighters as well. Like I, I think there's more in these fights. At least it seems maybe I'm more tuned into it. But they miking up the corner and showing more. Maybe because it's on ESPN Plus or whatever, they don't have as many commercials, so they get to show the corner more. But it seems like we get to see more behind the scenes in the corner from from the guys cornering the fight, which is cool. You get to see what they're doing, and then you know it gets picked apart a little during the fight. Like oh, they told them this or they told them that. Um, but like you said, if you don't know the fighter, you don't know what's going to motivate that particular fighter. No one can, unless it's something blatant, like the guy comes back to the corner and goes, you're a fucking stupid retard. I mean, that's just like, across the board, that's terrible. But like, if they're saying, like, that was terrible, and they even slap him in the face, some fighters need that. You can't judge it unless you're that corner man. Like, if the, tra if the fighter tells the corner man, if my fighter told me, yeah, I can't see out of this eye, I'm stopping the fight. But some guys might know their fighter a little better, and they maybe they exaggerate injuries. Maybe they're used to doing that. They know him better than I do. I'll never judge that. But I know for a fact, if my corner, if my guy came back to the corner and go, yeah, I can't see in my right eye, fight's over. Right? But I'm not going to judge a corner man for not doing that, because I don't know this fighter. Right? So I would never do that. Like. Well, if, the really the hard part it seems to me for the corner man is when you have a fighter that doesn't want to fight anymore but you think they can like we've seen that before too or that seems like that's a really one you really have to know the fighter where if they need to be pushed or if they've lost four rounds why are you going to send them to get out and get destroyed for the fifth round i think we talked about that before but yeah i and i and i'm guilty of that i mean i've i've been pissed at a fighter that wasn't my fighter it was on ultimate fighter and he actually came back, like, he was wimping out and training a lot. Then he came back in the fight, and something, like, minor was hurting. And, you know, it's, it's easy for me to say minor because it's not me, but I've been there enough in that other side of it where I feel like I've earned the right to say it. So it was like something like my ankle or, or something was hurting in his, his wrist. And I was like, okay, get back out there and fight. No, I can't. He's, my wrist is hurting. I go, get the fuck out there and finish this fight. So I like picked him up and I was like pushing him out to to get into the cage and he was like I can't and I was like pushing him in and the the referee was Herb Dean and he was like John you can't make him fight if he doesn't want to fight but part of my reason for doing that was because if you quit in the corner you're never gonna leave it down a lot of times so if I push him out at least if he fights a little and then you know the he has the injury. Maybe the fight will get stopped, or maybe he'll tap, or whatever. But on paper, tapping or referee stoppage looks better than quitting in the corner. So, I mean, I was also thinking that. I was half thinking that, and half thinking, get the fuck out there and fight like a man. So, I had a little both going on. 
Yeah, it's interesting. The docs came out, too, on one of these fights to look at an eye injury. I think the referee calls the docs in and did a timeout. Was that on Cub Swanson's fight? I don't know. Might have been to look at his eye, but you rarely see the doctors stop a fight. I mean, this is a, you know, unless there's something obviously, obviously terribly wrong with their vision or something. Yeah. You don't usually see the docs stop the fight. Yeah. But we deal with that all the time on the sidelines in football, Is but we deal with it with the other side. If the kid doesn't want to play anymore, fine. Who cares? I mean, take him out. But... For a kid that wants to play but they're injured, that's the ones we're always dealing with. Like, well, you know, it's a sprained ankle, whatever, tape it up. If you want to play, it's football, go out there and play. So for a lot of those, we're kind of just making sure they're not going to have a horrible injury if they go back out. Maybe they're not going to be very good, they're not going to be very effective, they're not going to be able to sprint or cut very well. But, you know, as a doc, you let them go back out as long as you don't think they're going to get hurt worse. But in any sport like this or a collision sport like football, people are going to get hurt. So, yeah. I don't know. I thought the corner. I always find the cornerman stuff fascinating because I try to listen to what you're telling your guys in the corner and punch him in the face. Yeah, punch him in the fucking face. Remember that was the that was probably one of my finest and one of my worst. Did it work? Yeah, he won the fight. It was court, and and I felt he needed to be pushing that last round, and I felt he needed aggression. I didn't think there was any strategy I wanted him to get. I just wanted him to punch more. And that's how he was winning the fight. I just said, that's a punch him in the fucking face simple, more. <laughs> Nothing too complicated. No, sometimes simple is, is best. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes there is some strategy. One thing is that Shane Burgos guy is good, man. I mean. I think he had a big reach advantage. I he mean, was I huge for big, his weight. What are they, featherweights? Yeah. Yeah. Featherweights, 145. So yeah. he's a big dude. Yeah, he's one. huge. And uh, I think that was the difference in the fight. I think... Uh, I think it was a pretty even fight, but what he did looked more effective and was uh, um, it caught the eye of the uh, officials more because he was a lot bigger. He was a lot bigger, but uh, Cub Swanson is still one of my very favorite fighters. Tough, tough as shit, skilled as shit, great guy. I think, I just think, I think he, that... He needs a win. Yeah, I think the size... Um, I think the size was the difference in this fight. Why he's, he's lost on four in a row now? Oh, really? he, well, like who he fought, he he lost to Brian Ortega. He's like one of the best in the world. He lost to uh, Edgar. He lost to Moicano. Man. Yeah. And now Shane Burgos. Yeah, he's, he's had some to, tough fights too. He's had some really tough fights, but I I still think he's one of the best fighters out there. He's a fucking legend and a pioneer. And the Shane Bur- Burgos guys is is pretty damn good. He's not only really skilled at everything, he's just fucking big and strong. I think he's bigger and stronger than probably everyone, just about everyone he's going to fight in that, uh, in that weight class. I think that's going to make a huge difference. Not just his size, but the fact that he's really big, really strong, and really talented. So I'm really, I'm looking forward to watching him fight more. So we'll talk about that. Walt Harris, real quick. This was uh, the only fight that ended without a decision. Oh, yeah? On the main card was Walt Harris and Spivak, which ended quick. I mean, that was 50 seconds. What did you think of that performance? Um, It just showed Walt Harris is faster, stronger, quicker, you know, faster, stronger, bigger than his opponents. I want to see him fight Greg, Greg Hardy. Walt Harris' speed at yeah. heavyweight was ridiculous. I mean, that's all I took away from that fight was yeah. his speed. And he just swarmed on that guy. All he could do was cover up, get knocked down, and then the fight was stopped. 
Yeah, covering up, and it's it's. They tell you this in the dressing room. They tell you this. I mean, covering up is not a good defense, and so many people think it is, because in boxing it was rope a dope, etc. But in MMA, it is not considered a good. What about late rounds? I think it. It seems like it could be more effective in a round four or five than in a first fifty seconds of the fight. Because when you cover up, then you're taking all of Walt Harris's power yeah. in every hit because he's fully fresh. I mean, he was just unloading on that guy. And and another thing people don't realize is in boxing the gloves are bigger, and you get you get you get you can you get into more crevices, more corners, you know, you get into more spots that you can't get into with. Uh, that you you can't get into with boxing gloves that you can with MMA gloves because they're smaller, so you're gonna fit in tighter spots. So when people cover up and they're used to like training and sparring with the bigger gloves, that uppercut is gonna part your elbows a lot more than the glove is gonna. And a lot of people don't they don't take that into consideration when they're covering up, and then all of a sudden they eat an el- uh, uppercut or something. The punch can wrap around your head better with those smaller gloves or even fit in between your uh, gloves and, and uh, you get knocked out while you're covering up. So it's a lot yeah, a lot it's a lot less effective in MMA and um, the the referee will stop it if you're covering up. He's gonna yell at you. If you're just covering like rope a dope, Ali did that for rounds. But if you do that for even like like a couple minutes, the referee's gonna go, bro, you this is not a you're not intelligently defending yourself. So what I always tell my fighters is either hit, hold, or get the fuck out of the way. Don't just cover up. I think I've heard that in class before. <laughs> yeah. But they, he didn't do that. He covered up. And that's what happens, apparently, in MMA when you just cover up. So, yeah, yeah. But with that guy coming at you, I don't know. I think he was just overwhelmed. Yeah, he was. He was this <sighs> Walt. Uh, yeah, Walt uh, Harris is not one you want to be on top of you. Ground and pounding you. It's just, it's not a good thing. So, what else we got going on? Um, one thing I want to talk about. what When you think of self-defense. Yeah. Do you think of martial arts? Yeah. Personally. Okay. okay, let me ask you this then. If you think of martial arts, do you think of self-defense? I do. I think they're Synonymous? one the same here. <clears throat> and I, my only martial arts training before here was Taekwondo, and I was a kid, so um, it was a lot of holds, and but it was it was based on self defense. I saw I saw a guy, a self defense guy, basically saying the two are completely separate. If you're training martial arts, you're not training self defense, and if you're training self defense, you're not training a martial art. Well, I think self defense is a bigger encompasses more things than just martial arts. It could include firearms and, you know, protecting your home in other ways. And so self-defense, you can defend yourself in other ways. What the car and car you put yourself in. Um, but martial arts is a big part of that uh, within the, you know, self-defense circle. So, yeah. So I think self-defense, yeah, includes more things as well. I think, I, think, I think the two are synonymous all the way. And I think if it has weapons, like we train very little weapons. Um but if you train knives, like Eskrima or a knife fighting, I consider that a martial art. If you're shooting and taking a shooting class, I consider that a martial art. Um, and then if you're punching someone and you're hitting the bag, 
in a gym, I consider that self-defense. So I, I think, I think the two are synonymous. And, um, I think no matter what you're doing, I even think, uh, I've said this before. I think football is a, is a, it's a, it's related to self-defense. And I say that because if you're getting attacked, if you're, if your wife or your kids or you're getting attacked on the street and you happen to be a football player and you tackle the guy and he hits his head on the cement, hey, that was self-defense. It was a martial art because martial, right, being a warlike art, and it was a football tackle. Yeah, it's just different rules. I yeah. mean, you can run into each It's a collision sport. You run into each other in football. It's a, you know, it's a direct contact sport. So, yeah, I agree with you. So, But there's just different rules. I mean, you're yeah. like punching each other in the face. Just hearing a guy, like, it's, to me it's kind of a little condescending, like, some self-defense guys, like, I think if you teach self-defense or you teach a martial art, you're doing the same thing. So if I'm teaching martial arts here, I might I might hire a sport something. Like, I would teach maybe a, maybe a jiu-jitsu class if some guy wanted to teach that. But um, I would never think of getting a self-defense class Plus my Hawaiian Kemba class. It'd be like, it just, to me, the two make no, it, would, it wouldn't, I would never need one if I had the other. So, like, I don't think if you have a martial arts class, you ever need Krav Maga. You might need a point, uh, like, to teach point fighting on the side or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But I think your martial art should be your self-defense. And if it's not, I don't think it's your martial art. I think it's your art form. What do you think about that? I think it makes sense to me. I, I think they're one and the same at this gym. So, I yeah. mean, for us, and then the big part of our martial art here is fitness. Yeah, and I mean, that's so you can be effective in your martial art. And that's definitely a martial art too. I think I think fitness is part of a martial art uh, because if yeah, and if fitness you encompasses other things like mar running marathons, that's fitness. Yeah, it's not really a martial art. I guess you're running away. You could run away. Well, okay. Well, but it's the but it's the conditioning portion of it. Yeah, not important. just the running, but to me if you're running and you're getting in shape and then the fight lasts longer than right. 20 seconds, then that running you've been doing is part of your martial art. Correct. So, I've kind of I kind of, you know, I'm 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 big on martial art, not partial art. I'm big on conditioning and I'm big on being a self-defense school and I I take a lot of I take a lot of pride in teaching something where I think is completely effective. And, and, and I think if you teach a martial art that isn't completely effective and you actually have to outsource your effective self-defense, there's something wrong with your martial art. What kind of martial art would that be? I don't know. I just see, I see, I see Krav Maga schools, but then sometimes I see a martial arts school and then, well, we also teach self-defense, and then that's Krav Maga. And I was like, wait, what does your art teach then? And maybe it just has to do with, like, disarming someone with a gun. We don't really go over that. We go over some knife stuff, not much. But it, I think the only thing I can Why think of... Why don't you do gun stuff here, like disarming someone with a gun or someone has a gun on you? Yeah. Have you ever done any of that stuff? Yeah, and I just... I think... I think... 
because it's so proven. We, st we started talking about guns today. We can end talking about guns. I think it's so proven that uh, that ninety whatever percent of gunshot wounds are uh, uh, are not in your reach. I think it's 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 not good. Maybe I should teach what but to do. There was this kid, this hero kid at the campus where he tackled the shooter. Another school shooting. There's another school shooting in the last two weeks. Wasn't there a kid, like a 20-year-old yeah. kid that died? Yeah, that, he that went after the shooter. Yeah, he went after and tackled him and got shot and killed. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's a good idea. I think well, I'm not giving it. I'm just asking why you don't. No, because it, to me it's low on the. It's low on the priority list. Yeah, of what we do. But I think it's a good idea. That, that's something we should at least. I've had a gun pulled on me more than once. What do you I, think the likelihood of having a gun pulled on you versus having a knife pulled on you? Uh, just walking around our town. Probably, probably 10 to 1. Knife? Knife to gun. And I think, I think just without any weapon to knife, probably 100 to 1. I'm just wondering in our emergency room what we see more of. Yeah. But I see. I only see the ones if they get stabbed in the extremities. Yeah, you're not gonna see. It just... <laughs> I don't, they don't call me if they get stabbed anywhere. And you're not in gonna, the middle. And they're gonna get stabbed if they get, you get hit and they get knocked out either. So I don't know. You anyway, def you definitely see them both. But I am gonna. That's a good point. I'm gonna start doing a couple of uh, gun and a little more nice. More stuff. definitely when I was in Los Angeles and at USC at LA County Trauma Center, I saw more gunshots. <laughs> Orthopedically speaking shot up people low velocity handgun gangbanger shootings it was guns uh, there were some stabbings here and there yeah. but, but why was... would you see a stabbing because a gun i mean because the gun if it if it hits it's, it's going to be there's more chance of uh, breaking shattering a bone oh, or something cut, like that. oh we get all we get stab wounds as too. an orthopedic yeah you cut tendons and arteries uh, we have to fix all that stuff yeah i always think more i think there's more I think there's more stabbing than slashing when it comes to street scenarios, and you see more, um, you see more vital organs and more. Well, I have to ask their uh, general surgeon colleagues here locally what we get more of. Yeah, it's a good one. I'll find out. I'll That's let you know one. which one is we'll more, let you guys more common in our community. It's probably applicable. Yeah, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna teach uh, I'm gonna teach uh, a gun a gun uh, not a gun safety class. I'm just gonna teach what to do if. A, Gun gets pulled on you. Mostly get Bang. out. Mostly get out of there. Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> Don't let anyone take a lunch money. Bang. All right, John. Till next right. time.